So obviously want to dig into the new album and talk about the tour and just talk a little couple of life things with you. But uh, let's start with the new album, man. Ken, I, I didn't think you guys could top the valley, but you somehow did. And, and in a way, this is kind of a uh, continuation of the valley. It, it's in a sort of roundabout way. Yeah, we just, you know, took what we learned from the valley and, uh, you know, just tried to just go all in, you know, um, just as far as like the melodic elements, the progressive elements, like the um, just and, and, you know, and everything in between, you know, for, we kind of use our heaviness as like a, a tool, you know, to to push the story. And um, with metal, we, we could it's a type of genre that's real like a cathartic sounding. And it's like, you know, when done properly, it's like a it can bring like a huge, you know, relief musically so we're just we just try to like focus on that try to make it kind of like a a death metal opera if you will you know and we have a great vocalist in phil and uh he you know he can kind of pull off whatever we throw at him so that's nice to have (laughs) yeah certainly and but uh thematically this is kind of a a continuation of the valley right or an alternate universe of what could have happened yeah it's like um as you can see on the album cover it's blue um two similar, you know, beings looking at each other. And those are, you know, the inner, inner, uh, duality that's, uh, inside our vocalist, like, you know, dealing with, you know, the traumatic events that happened from the Valley. So yeah, whereas the Valley was uh, based on true events, this is more of a kind of like a, what if scenario, what could have happened if Phil would have taken a dark, darker path, the evil Cartman version. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So answer me this question, you know, this is a plan all along or did this kind of develop? Like, where were you guys at with the new album in, say, like March of 2020 when the pandemic kind of first hit? Were you guys already in progress in this kind of alternate metaverse or universe or whatever? Or did that come about during the pandemic? Kind of take me back. Yeah. So when the pandemic happened, I mean, you know, we just had a bunch of bunch of riffs and ideas um we didn't talk about anything you know thematically as far as lyrically what was going to happen but um yeah we just kind of we write the music first and you know we just kind of piggybacked off what happened with the valley but we just wanted to go further further into more beautiful melodic passages and uh just more intense like cathartic heavy riffs and so we just kind of wrote as if what we wanted to hear after the valley actually we wrote the the first track on the album is the first song we wrote so that kind of gave us like a good jumping point it's like okay i could hear this being you know the next sound so once you start with the first idea everything else kind of gradually you know fell into place over the over the summer of the pandemic and after the music was complete phil takes the music and writes lyrics to it and but there was no talk beforehand of like what the what it was going to be about or anything phil just kind of came up with that you know after hearing the music and brainstorming himself i love it man and you know it's interesting i was thinking about as much as phil is opening up and exploring and, and exploring his more melodic side i think for the three of you guitar players it's kind of opened up things as well you know especially in a song like anti-cure like there's three different distinct guitar parts going on and i imagine it gives you a lot more freedom as a guitar player to play around and explore different things yeah it's great i'm a big fan of all types of music you know everyone is so the fact that we can you know if it's done tastefully and we you know do it then um you know there's big rewards for that and uh 
Yeah, and we're just lucky, you know, to have a vocalist like Phil who can, you know, pull that off. Because if we didn't have that, we wouldn't be able to have as much free reign as as we do currently. Yeah, and and that's the thing I love about this album too. I mean, I think we kind of learned on the Valley like he can clean sing and uh, obviously do what he, we we know and love him for. But I think there was kind of a third mm. gear he kind of found on this album too, where it's more of like a a, a scream, but not his typical scream. There is more of a singing, yeah, the scream, scream. thing. Yeah, kind of yeah, kind of like uh, you know, like reference like like Nine Inch Nails wearing this together. That song is kind of a. You know, late '90s. You know, oh yeah, sounds. But yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, we try to hit all the you know dynamics that we can because it just makes for a more interesting story. You know, and stories, you know, it's all about nuance and you know what the character is going through, emotions. We just try to like have a wider palette when we write now. Valley was the album that opened that up for us. Yeah, I feel like the Valley was like you you guys as a band almost as like superheroes like you kind of discovered this power and then now on this yeah. album you kind of learned how to use it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I agree. <laughs> you know, it's like a lot of like went to the Valley a lot of struggles, you know, it kind of happened after Mark of the Blade, the album before it uh, like we lost a drummer and uh, and um it was just like a lot of internal band um I guess stuff going on, but I mean, all of us, the five of us, the core of us were stronger than ever, but you know, we lost our drummer. So it was just kind of, we just wanted something to prove, you know, and, uh, just going into it, we knew what kind of vocalist Phil was. And, uh, we just tried to you know dig in as far as we could. Speaking of the Valley, I know that, uh, Phil wrote the riff for black bear, right. On the, on the last album. Curious. Yeah. Yeah. Curious if he had any riffs on the new album. Yeah, um, the opening riff to Without Us, ah. the heavy gong, 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 and then it opens up. Yeah, that was uh, Phil's idea to do that. He was really pushing for that song, or just that riff to be on the album, and uh, that was like one of the hardest songs to put together. It was one of the first I, you know, kind of ideas we had for the record, and uh, but it was like the last song to be finished because it was just, you know, hard to just hard to make it flow. Inter- it worked out. Interesting, yeah. I imagine, yeah. and then I imagine like a song like "Blood Blood Soaked Symphony" is just like a no brainer. Like you write that one in your sleep. No, that I mean songs like that are you know it's still hard. Like because that song actually has riffs from all three guitar players. Like uh, yeah, like Zach wrote the verse. I wrote pre-chorus. And me and Zach collaborated on the chorus, and then Alex wrote the the breakdown. So it's like I mean, there's a lot of heavy dynamics in that song. It's uh, yeah, each song is, I mean, it's not easy. Like, it's all, like, <laughs> it all goes through about, you know, 10 to 20 different versions before it's finally done. The good thing about the pandemic, <laughs> one of the good things. Yeah, you get to spend probably more time than you ever had, right? Because it's always been probably tour, yeah. record, tour, record, tour, record, and you got to actually spend some time, let things marinate a little bit longer. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this, man. Super stoked for the uh, tour coming up here. <laughs> kind of a Metal Blade Records tour, essentially, with the, the Legends, Cannibal Corpse, and, of course, you guys and Revocation. And two Southern California shows, March 12th at the Observatory, March 13th in uh, downtown L.A. at the Belasco. I'm kind of curious, man. Now, going out and touring with Cannibal Corpse, do, do you kind of uh, tailor the set list a little bit to that? I mean, are, are you going to be playing like Anti-Cure and stuff like that in the set list? Or do you kind of tailor it a little bit for, for the audience ahead? 
Yeah, we tailored to, you know, what we're, um, you know, who we're playing with. I mean, we're playing with Cannibal Corpse, so we're, we got to, you know, show them that, uh, whether we're heavy, you know, so, um, we just try to make, we're just made that the absolute heaviest set list we could make <laughs> all of our records, our first albums to up to Ken, we just, the heavy bangers, cause where else are we going to play these unless we're on tour with Cannibal Corpse? <laughs> So. Basically running through your greatest hits, essentially, with a, in an opening slot like that and with as many albums and, and songs that you guys have to play now in, in your career. Yeah, yeah. We just try to make it flow, make it flow well. And, and uh, you know, we have a lot of heavy stuff on the new records, too. That's one thing we, we always strive to keep that cathartic, heavy sound in our music because that's just, I mean, we love it. That's that's why we started a band, you know. That's why we, that's why we you know, quit our jobs and went out on the road you know 15 years ago or you know 17 years now but yeah so we still love it and um yeah we're happy to take it out on tour and play for everybody yeah man can't wait and and talk about getting the opportunity to play again with the with uh cannibal corpse i mean you guys have played with them before we'll play with them again in the future but certainly got to be a, a an honor to play with a band like that and the legendary career that they've had oh yeah like we've had three shows so far and just watching them just walk on stage like you know before the first song you're just like oh my god these guys are just uh, legendary like the ultimate death metal band and then you got you know Alex Webster and you know Eric Rutan now on guitar like dear god it's just being at a Cannibal Corp show is like being at the mecca of death metal <laughs> so yeah we're honored to be on it, on it. gotta give a shout out to Dave and Revocation too who are great as well oh Dave yeah oh Dave he's like one of my favorite guitar players. Yeah, and I'm humbled, you know, to call him my friend, too. So, great guy. So, it was Brett. Brett, their bass player, and Ash, their drummer. Yeah, all-around great dudes. One of my favorite bands to tour with. So, Ben, let's get outside of music for just one second. Kind of curious. Are, are you a whiskey guy, craft beer guy? What's what's your flavor at the bar? What, do you, what are you drinking at the bar these days? If I'm drinking at the bar, probably a Pilsner. Light Pilsner. Um, because I don't... I don't know. I've uh, grown out of the taste of IPAs mm-hmm. over the years. I don't know. I just start. I start getting headaches now from it. So um, I like just just a good pilsner, maybe like from a local brewery or something, um, or a Kolsch, you know, what you will. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's some great breweries like where I'm from in Nashville, like Southern Grist and Bearded Iris. I just deliver a bunch of you know great beers and. Uh, but if I'm drinking hard harder, it's probably tequila because I I mean that's just it fires you up. <laughs> oh, it fires me up. So that doesn't give I you a headache. Like, yeah. No headache with tequila. If I'm choosing a shot, it's definitely going to be tequila because that's that's the one. It's like I feel like you know the point of a shot or you know a a cocktail in general is just you know to get you hit that you know that frequency that you're not normally at, and I feel like tequila gets me there faster than like a whiskey or you know. Jaeger. Vodka. Jaeger. Oh, God. <laughs> Jaeger will make me throw up and fight people. So <laughs> stay away from that. Dude, I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel you on the craft beer tip, though. I've been super into it and got into the IPAs and hazies, and now I have kind of feel like I've gotten to hit the reset switch, and I'm on the Pilsner kick right now, big time, like German Pilsners, like a, uh, Czech Pilsners. Oh, so yeah. Good. Just refreshing. Yeah. Refreshing drinks. I want to be able to look through my beer nowadays. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh man, this is going to my body. <laughs> yeah, the, those hops. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually harder to make a, a cleaner, like a pilsner, than it is to 
make like an IPA. I went to some brewery and the head brewer was there and gave me the whole lowdown and completely like rocked my world. Like Pilsner, there's less ingredients, less to mess around with. It's like there's no room for error kind of thing where IPA, if it's not going well, you just throw more hops in it and it just gets hoppier and dankier. Yeah. And you could really tell that like, yeah, when you drink something, it's like, yeah, less is more. Yeah. And it's just more refreshing. Yeah. That's interesting. You say that. Yeah. So that, I didn't know that. And That's cool to know. I, I appreciate you sharing a couple. You shouted out a couple Nashville breweries because I'm going to be out there. Uh, I have a niece who's graduating from Vanderbilt, so I'm going to be out there in May and wanted to hit up some oh. local breweries and stuff. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of great ones. Yeah, Fat Bottom Brewing. You know, like I said, Southern Grist, Bearded Iris, Tennessee Brew Works. All great. Beautiful, man. Last thing I got for you, uh, two last things I got for you, just to have some fun. I've been doing recently a little uh, pizza debate. Is it sacrilege or is it cool in your world to have, like, fruit on pizza? Do you do, like, the pineapple and ham pizza or is that a, a no-fly zone for you? No, I do. I love pineapple on pizza, you know. Uh, adds, like, a like a little splash to, uh, you know, to everything. A little sweet with the, you know, the salty, you know, ham. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, a little pineapple with like jalapeno. Oh yeah. Pepperoni, maybe some banana peppers on there. Yeah. See, I knew you would get it. I was talking to, to Brent from August Burns Red and Adam from Killswitch, and they're like, "No way, no pineapple on fruit." I'm like, "It's delicious." So have you tried it? And they're like, "Nah, nah, nah." Yeah, I mean, it just I don't know. They're just East Coasters. I don't know. I, I love it. Yeah, East Coast. <laughs> East Coast. <laughs> yeah. You're stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> ben, I appreciate it all the time. Last thing I got to hit you with, because we're an old school radio station. We do mandatory Metallica every night at 10 o'clock. We bow down to Metallica and going to do that with you. You're going to be a part of that. So I'm kind of curious, man. What was the first Metallica riff you learned on guitar? I think it was like one. Really? Yeah. Seek and Destroy. Like I did a video online where I said like Seek and Destroy was one of my first riffs I learned. But like, you know, it's being... That young playing guitar, I mean, there's a few riffs that, you know, taught me. I mean, usually the simple ones like Alice in Chains, Angry Chair, or uh, Metallica 1. Yeah, because it's like... Dun, 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 dun. That, yeah. Just pick those three notes. Pluck those three notes. Yeah, yeah, and work it. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about Metallica, though. When do you, do you remember discovering them, falling in love with them? Did James Hetfield teach you how to downpick? Like, talk to, let's talk a little Metallica love with Ben Savage. My dad loved Metallica, and he was my gymnastics coach. So whenever we'd go to gymnastics practice, we'd, like, listen to Metallica tapes in his truck. And Justice for All uh, was, like, the main one that we listened to. And Justice for All and, I think, Reload. He had that. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, the power of it and it just takes you on a journey. I could just, you know, lay that back in the passenger seat and, you know, just listen to a full, you know, full album you know front to back on like injustice for all and uh yeah it was my favorite record for a long time and you know it kind of built you know for my musical identity and my musical taste really just like the power sounds like classical music a lot of the times you know and when i got older i started you know realized you know james hetfield he's really had a hard life painful life and you know just kind of comes out his music and you know his dad was really uh helped form you know him to be you know the great musician that he was i don't know i just yeah i love metallica with all <laughs> with every being in me every fiber in me there actually used to be a uh, metal mandatory metallica in knoxville tennessee where i'm from uh-huh um on Mon monday nights they'd play like an hour of metallica 
at like nine to ten p.m. And so that's that's where I started learning more about uh, the whole discography. This was probably around nineteen ninety eight or something. And uh, I guess they were going to release going to release a S and M S and M record, and No Leaf Clover came out, and you know with the orchestra. Yeah. And that was huge for me too. That was a huge uh, yeah moment, just hearing the orchestra with the metal, and it just kind of like all clicked. You know, it's like yeah, it is pretty much classical music. Uh, you know, well structured, great melodies. I'm a fan, fan for life. Whatever they do. Have you gotten to share the stage with them anywhere, any festival or anything? No. <laughs> well, we did play a festival like many years ago, Heavy Montreal, but we had to leave before Metallica uh, played because we had to cross the border and go to another show. But I've I've never seen Metallica like what? live. Oh ever. my god, you got uh, to! I know it's like when I was young. I mean, they never played Knoxville, Tennessee, and then when I got older and formed a band, you know, I was never home whenever they played like around in Nashville. Never happened. My favorite band ever, and, you know, never seen them, but maybe one day. Yeah, yeah knock on wood, it happens for you. Well, dude, lastly, yeah. can you uh, pick a tune for us to play on Mandatory Metallica? What's your favorite Metallica tune? Um, let's see. Uh, to Live is to Die. Oh, you know. okay. Deep cut off of Injustice. Yeah. I love it, man. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time and the incredible album, and I can't wait to see it out at the Observatory on the 12th. Awesome, man. Yeah, see you there, buddy. Thank you so much. Safe travels. Be well. Bye-bye. See you, man. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.